Good morning, everyone. Are you all wide awake today? That's good. I'm not, so pray for me. I feel a little sluggish this morning for some reason, so, but I'll get going here in a minute. What I've, I've been trying to do is I've shared with you over the last few months and, and uh, continue to, to be here on Sunday mornings for a while is to try to, to pray about where you are in your journey as a church and looking forward to your next journey with a leader that, that you're discerning uh, who God is sending you as a pastor right now. And trying to kind of look uh, through a series at the church as a whole and then to get more personal uh, about kind of our personal relationship with Christ, our personal spiritual life, and then go back to kind of the big picture again. So we just came through the series, uh, just finished up last week, and, and, and if you recall any of those sermons, they were about the church as a whole, the church in general, and uh, what we needed to do to move from just surviving to thriving. And now we're going to start into a more personal series that, that talks about our, our own kind of spiritual activity, if you will, our own kind of behavior that is born out of our, our relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and this series I'm entitling Words with Friends. And How many of you are familiar with the game Words with Friends? Anybody? Several of you are. It's a game that basically is played through Facebook. I, I don't play it much anymore because when I have my computer on and I'm playing a game, I'm always playing Candy Crush, the very masculine game that, that I love. And uh, so I, I've kind of let words with friends go, but I know a lot of people play it. And we're going to kind of do a, a play on that game and talk about words that we use and things that we do in our behavior uh, that kind of show who we are in our spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you join me in a word of prayer as we get started? Father, we, we know that words are powerful. We know that we use them every day for good and for evil. And we know, Lord, that your scripture tells us pretty plainly that people will know us by our heart and that people will know our hearts and our love by many of the things we say and often the things we do. And so as we begin looking at these scriptures and begin in the series, I pray that you will help us to be very mindful of the words we use, but help us, Lord, to realize that it's much deeper than that, that we need to be the people that you've called us to be and in a loving and growing relationship with you and out of that, our words will change and our activity will change. So grab hold of us today, Lord, and do whatever you need to do to get our attention and just Lead us down that path toward change. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. I want you to, to just for a minute turn with a scripture to a scripture with me in Matthew chapter 15 that, that kind of begins us in this whole words with friends mode, if you will. It's Jesus speaking here in Matthew 15, two verses, verses 17 and 18, and he says this. He says, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. Not too long ago, I was in a fast food restaurant, and I went up to the drink dispenser, and I pulled on the Diet Pepsi handle, and something came out that was definitely not Diet Pepsi. Matter of fact, it turned out it was Mountain Dew. And, and so I went over, and I talked to the people working there and let them know that, you know, I, I tried to get Diet Pepsi, and I, I got Mountain Dew, and she began to explain to me that, well, they're labeled. And you need to pull the label for Diet Pepsi. And I began to explain to her, I did pull the label for Diet Pepsi. And, and basically, the end of that conversation was I said to her, 
You know, it does not matter what's on the label. It matters what the pipes are hooked up to in the back of the machine. And, and, and I think about that spiritually, and I think about when I hear Jesus' words, is, that's kind of it. It really doesn't matter what the label is. It's how the pipes are hooked up behind the scene that dictates what comes out of our mouths. And so I don't care what you call yourself or how much you tell people you love them or, or how much you say you're in love with Christ or that you're a follower of Christ. The Word makes it very clear to us that what really speaks volumes about us is what comes out. It, it is how we speak, it is what we say, and it is what we do. And it comes from somewhere very deep within us that the Scripture often labels as the heart. Now Jesus is very concerned throughout his ministry in this earth with what we say. He taught us that our words have incredible power, and he taught us that this power can be exercised for good or evil. If you remember going to the book of James, we learn a little bit about this. Depending on what is in our heart, then those things come out of our mouth to either build people up or tear people down. And so it's not rocket science for all of us to agree that words can build up or tear down that words can encourage or discourage. And so what I want to do through the month of February is to kind of pit a word and an activity against another one that, that we might use in a certain situation to help us begin to understand what we ought to be and what we ought to do as followers of Christ. And what I want to start with today is this. I want to talk about words of prayer on one hand versus words of prosecution on the other. Words of prayer on one hand versus words of prosecution on the other. And, and I want to start by just kind of talking a little bit about what these two types of words really are. First of all, prayer you know about, right? Prayer is communication with God. But really when we come to understand prayer, we know it's, it's more than just that. It's really speaking with Him on a deep level, motivated by something that is down inside of our heart. And so Prayer really does come from the center of who we are in relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a business book out there called Leadership and Self-Deception, and the folks from the Arbinger Institute make a point that what you say to or about someone else says more about you than the person you're talking to or about. And I think about that, and I think maybe even that is the case with our prayers that, that when we pray, how we pray and, and what we say often says more about us than it does about God or, 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 or even in sometimes how well it communicates. And so the, the, the fact is, is that every time we pray, we really should be saying in some way, God, we love you. God, we worship you. God, we follow you. Richard Foster a theologian says this, he says, real prayer comes not from gritting our teeth, but from falling in love. Real prayer isn't that we try harder. One of my favorite sayings in the whole wide world, I, I have a real special relationship with Bill Brown, who's pastor of Vienna Baptist Church, and Bill and I served together on church staff at South Parkersburg for years, and and, and Bill and I would always joke about people who, who uh, and pastors joke about this stuff, I hope this isn't a revelation to you, about people who would say these flamboyant, flowery prayers, you know? And, and, and we would always use a phrase that one of our older pastor friends would use. And when someone would do something like that at a funeral, we'd kind of nudge each other and we'd say, boy, he lays down a good prayer, doesn't he? He lays down a good prayer. 
And the fact is, God really doesn't care if you lay down a good prayer. God really doesn't care what kind of language you use in your prayer. And if you're praying because you think other people need to be impressed by what you say in your prayers that you pray out loud, then that is not prayer at all. Because praying is communicating with God. Praying says a lot about who we are, and it really comes from that falling in love. Someone asked me one time, how do I know how to pray? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And I said, you know, I love my dad. I love my earthly father. He and I have a a very close relationship. And I hardly ever plan the conversation before I go talk to him. I hardly ever think through making sure I use the right words. I love being with him, and I talk to him about what's going on in my life and about who I am and who he is. And that's what prayer really is. It's really motivated out of this love relationship. This is what Paul wants for his followers of Christ in in Ephesus. Listen to what he prays for them. This is Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 19. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What a prayer, amen? I mean, I I would love for you to pray that for me. And I would love to pray that for you, that we would just fall in love with Jesus Christ. Paul is saying to the Ephesians, I want you to fall in love with Jesus, to experience what he has and what what, what it is to be in relationship with him, to know the intimacy of knowing him as Savior and of Lord. And the question then becomes for you and I, am I in love with Jesus? Now here's the good news. The good news is if you're not, then prayer will help you fall in love with him. And if you are, then prayer will help you fall deeper in love with him. And being in love with him will then motivate you to pray more. In other words, when you pray, you fall in love and you fall in love because you pray. I know who you are and I know what you love by talking to you. You believe that? I know people who love the Mountaineers whose basketball team can beat anybody in the top five, but nobody who's not ranked, right? (laughs) And I know you love them when I talk to you because you wear their shirts, their hats, you talk about the game, and quite frankly, if you're really in love with the Mountaineers, you don't care if I care or not. You don't care if I'm a Mountaineer fan or not. You're still going to come to work and talk about them. You're still going to ask me if I saw the game, even though I've told you a hundred times I don't watch basketball right? If you're in love with your sweetheart and I know you at all, I'm in relationship with you, you're going to talk about her or you're going to talk about him. You see, those things we talk about give away who and what we're in love with. And the question I have for you is, does everybody know you're in love with Jesus? I think sometimes for us as Christians, we forget that people really do know what is important to us by what's on our mind, and by what comes out of our heart. And do we act like, talk like, use the same words that Jesus loves with other people? Falling in love with God will influence, if you pray, it will influence how you pray, 
and it will influence who you pray for. Listen to that again. Falling in love with God will influence if you pray, it will influence how you pray, and it will influence who you pray for. Now let's see how this works in the Bible. Go back to the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23 and 24. We read this scripture, it says this, As for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right, but be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. As for me, hear those words, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by not or by failing to pray for you. You see, Samuel is in love with God and therefore he falls in love with God's people and this is exactly what Jesus tells us we have to do. That as we fall in love with him, we begin to fall in love with his people. Again, just follow me on all this. I'm trying to make a train of logic here to go somewhere. In Mark chapter 12 in the New Testament, we read this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Notice that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him of all the commandments, which is the most important. And the most important one Jesus said is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God... The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And he goes on then to describe the sacrificial love for others. And he demonstrates it to us on the cross. And then he calls us to offer that same kind of love to others. Now, I know some of you are probably wondering, what does all of this have to do with speaking words of prayer uh, against speaking words of prosecution? Well, here's what I believe. I believe that every day we come into contact with people. Today, you're going to run into some folks. Some of you are going to run into somebody at the restaurant when you leave here today. Some of you are going to run into family members today. Some of you are going to see a neighbor in the yard when you're pulling into the driveway after you go home from church. Some of you have company coming over for the Super Bowl tonight. And you're going to be in their presence and, and you're going to be in relationship with them in some way today. Every day we encounter people. Every day people are brought to our mind. Every day we see people. Every day we hear about people. Every day someone tells us about people. And when we encounter others, every single day we always have a choice. The choice is, are we going to pray or are we going to prosecute? Now follow me on this. John 8, 1 through 11. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? 
No one, sir, she said, neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, these folks came into contact with this woman and they had a choice. The choice was, were they going to speak words of grace? Were they going to speak words of love? Were they going to pray for this woman in her sinful lifestyle? Or were they going to cast words of condemnation that come from where the hoses run in in the back? That come from who they really are down in their guts, who they really are in their hearts. Encountering others gives us the opportunity every day to speak words of condemnation. Tell me if you haven't had this flash across your mind. I know he's always been a troublemaker. She really doesn't love me. That pastor, all he cares about is money. Look at that. He wouldn't be in that shape if he wasn't too lazy to work. And on and on and on. And and what I think the scripture tells us is these are words of condemnation. And listen to me, church. They say much more about you than they do about the person you're referring to. They say much more about what's going on in your heart than they do about the person that you happen to be describing. I don't know about you, but that really cuts to the quick in my life. It really makes me think about how many times I have spoken condemnation and judgment on a person because we move from their behavior to a value judgment. Tell me if you haven't done this before. They do this, therefore they must be this. That's called judging. How many of you have dogs in the house? Raise your hand. How many of you have an absolute designated person that is the one who takes the dogs outside when they bark? Anybody? Yeah. When the kids leave the house, this becomes a huge point of tension between a married couple. Right? And I will confess that there have been times when I've laid in bed and I've heard that dog barking And I absolutely try my best to stay as still as I can so my wife really thinks I'm asleep, right? And and I have found myself, honestly, with a woman that I love as much as myself and have pledged my life to and am so incredibly fortunate and blessed to be married to, I have found myself laying in bed trying to trick her into thinking I'm asleep, laying there going, she's asleep and she doesn't care that I have to get up in the morning. Or or she's awake, and she doesn't care that I have to get up in the morning. And then I almost lay there and get angry because I cast this judgment on her, and she's doing the exact same thing I'm doing. (laughs) Turns out she's not. She really is asleep normally, which makes me worse. But don't we all do that? Well, that person doesn't deserve to be on disability if they worked like I did. No doubt that's probably true. But it's not our place to make that judgment when we don't know those people. We go from behavior to a value judgment. Jesus says it this way, do not judge or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? That hurts, doesn't it? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred, 
Do not throw your pearls to pigs, and if you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. We judge because we forget that we are sinners too. We judge because we don't have to deal with the things that need to be changed in our own life. We move from words to value to comparison. Again, Luke 18, 10 through 13. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice, twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Which one are we? I'm glad I'm not like that political party. I'm glad I'm not like that presidential candidate supporter. I'm glad I'm not like that person. I'm glad I'm not like that person. Or have mercy on me, a sinner. Matthew, Jesus gives us another way. I tell you, love your enemies, and what? Say it loud. Pray for those persecute you. Now, here's, here's just a very practical piece of advice that I'm throwing out there this morning. In every single encounter you have with other people, you can speak these words of grace, you can speak these words of love, you can speak words of prayer for this person, or you can be judging and condemning. It's that simple. How many people did you condemn this week? How many people Maybe you didn't do it out and out, but the little sarcasm, the little thing you said behind their back. How many people did you speak words of condemnation about this week when you read their post on Facebook? And how many people should have you prayed for? Because out of our heart, we should love God. Out of our heart, we should love others. Out of our heart, the way to show people that love is to pray and speak words of grace and truth. <clears throat> Years ago, I had a dear friend, mentor in the ministry, worked with me in many, in many occasions. <clears throat> One of the only people that in my life I really trust to tell me the truth, even if I don't want to hear it. And he's passionate about speaking the truth to me. Sometimes it hurts a lot. Pulled me aside one day and he said, here's the deal. Everybody always kind of does what you want them to do in the church. Everybody always kind of follows your leadership. But what I need to tell you is, is they don't follow you because they respect you. They follow you because they're afraid of you. You are a master at intimidating people. You know, like evidently not you, right? <laughs> But I went home and I prayed about that, heart broke a little bit about that, had to go back and apologize to a bunch of people about that because he's exactly right. But what I realized was the more I got to know myself and the more I surrendered that nonsense to God, the more I fell in love with him because he loves me even though I'm that way, and the more out of that heart of being forgiven, even in the mess that I am, I could spread that love to others. Because you know what, I'm so thankful that God 
rather than condemning me, save me. Amen? I'm so thankful that in all the mess that I brought to him, he's able to work in me and through me. Who am I to speak words of condemnation to someone else? Would you pray with me?